Over the last few months, I have been researching and working to find the best routine and the best ways to optimize your physical and mental health. I wanted to put this video out there because I believe there is one main reason why people aren't achieving their health and fitness goals. It's not down to the diet they're on. It's not down to the particular training program they're on. It's down to this one thing. And that one thing is routine. Yes, people, how are we all doing? I hope we're all doing really well. Welcome back to Process, a podcast with myself, Brendan Pearson. And as you can see from the title of this video, we are going to be touching on, I'm touching on, we are going to be diving into daily routines and practices to improve your physical and mental health. Now, over the last few months, I've been researching and looking into and listening to a lot of podcasts on routine, on habits, on all things to do with optimization of your own health, because I believe there's a massive issue at the minute with people chronically stressed, working too much, not getting the right sleep, their hormone levels, testosterone levels in males are just all over the place because we are constantly stressed, we're drinking too much caffeine, uh, we're not making the most of things like sunlight, which obviously I'm going to dive into, but I think there's a massive issue and I think there's a lot of hacks that people maybe don't know about that are going to massively help our health physically, mentally, which obviously will help not only our work, our productivity, but also our family and an overall enjoyment and satisf satisfaction uh, on our, of our life. And obviously, I want to try and make people um, live the best and the most happy life they possibly can. So this is what today's podcast is going to be about. So if you see me looking down, it's because I've got loads of notes on here if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're listening, apologies, you guys might hear some um, paper rustling around. But what I've put together is some hacks or some, some routines, some habits that I think everybody should try and put into their life, to, like I said, to optimize their physical and mental health. I'm gonna put this into a program, which you'll see at the end of the video, which I'll talk about. It's gonna be called the 20 Day Routine Reset, but again, I'll touch on that at the end. Um, it's gonna be starting in January. But I wanna dive into a few of the main topics. Now, what I have done, I have put together three, what I've called the th big three, hacks or big three routines that I want you to put into your life. They are going to be the main three that I think everybody should try and get into their, their daily routine. And then we're also going to touch on the ideal schedule of routine or something that I do on a daily basis. There's about 10 different things which I think you can implement. And if you can't implement them all, that's absolutely fine. I understand people have busy lives, um, but I think these three are the most important. But anyway, I'm blabbering on. Let's jump straight into it. So the big three. First thing is going to be making sure that we get eight hours of good, good quality sleep per night. Now, as long as you get in between seven and nine hours, I'm happy, but I've just said eight is just a standard solid number to aim for. Now, why is this important? First of all, if you get anything less than six hours sleep per night, your risk of all-cause mortality, so death by anything, is massively increased. So we need to be getting at least on that minimum threshold of six. Anything less than that, there's massive increase in obviously catching infections, getting diseases, um, and dying sooner than you would. So ideally, seven to nine at the lowest six. Next thing is obviously reasons why we need to be getting sleep. Obviously, a majority of people do know the benefits of sleep, which is good. However, we need to be sleeping to help protect our help our, our immune system recover from illnesses, from if we've exercised during the day, all the stresses of work, everything resets. Our cells regenerate when we sleep. We recover from physical exercise, all the muscles that have obviously been broken down. When we've trained cardiovascularly, we recover from it. And if we do have any illnesses or bugs that we have picked up, our body recovers and recuperates within the sleep. 
We also consolidate and it helps with our memory. So if you, for example, are studying for an exam and you are trying to memorize loads of different things, if you are not getting enough sleep, you are not gonna be able to take in all the information that you're trying to remember and then obviously remember it. Also the same with maybe you have some, some good memories on holiday or something like that, your, your mind will probably not be able to process and store them if you are not getting a good night's sleep. So we can obviously see how important sleep is. Then, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, I think there's a massive issue at the minute with, especially in males, testosterone levels being massively well, massively reduced compared to what they should be. Growth hormone, again, these are all important in terms of trying to build muscle, our overall energy output, and also our sex drive. I think a lot of people are struggling with that, especially the older you get, the more stresses you have in life, with work, with business, whatever it is, with having kids, that's gonna be something that's gonna drop down. And obviously, you can take exogenous testosterone hormones and stuff but obviously we want to try and optimize it naturally and um, because one not a lot of people have access to that sort of stuff and two not a lot of people want to be taking extra external things which by myself and one of them however like i said there's lots of things we can do and making sure that we get in that eight hours of good quality sleep is going to be massively important now what do i mean by good quality good quality sleep is going to obviously make sure we are getting through all of our sleep stages so there's about five sleep cycles that you go through um, during the night they're each lasting about 90 minutes so for the first there's five stages for the first one to four stages that is going to be non-rapid eye movement sleep so this is the stage where our body's kind of slowly the heart rate's dropping down we're starting to recover um, a lot of things happen in this process but then we get into that last final stage which is going to be our REM sleep our deep REM sleep you might have heard that before that's where a lot of things go on that's where we end up dreaming that's where a lot of the recovery processes are going on now, most of REM sleep, REM sleep is actually in our last couple of hours, like the last two hours of our sleep. If we're cutting our sleep short from eight hours down to six hours, we are going to be missing out majority of that, that we're going to be missing out on most of that REM sleep. So making sure that we are getting at least that eight hours is going to be massively important to make sure that we are getting all of our REM sleep possible. REM sleep is also responsible for us being creative. So if we're missing out on them last hour or two of sleep we're going to be missing again majority of our REM sleep then we're not going to be as creative we're not going to be as productive with work our brain is just not going to be functioning as optimal as possible and if you're someone who has quite a creative job then obviously that's going to be a massive issue if we aren't if we do not have that creativity another thing with sleep people think they can just catch up their sleep whenever they say they have a few days where they don't sleep that well it's not as easy as that. The knock-on effects of having a few nights sleep where you may be only getting four, five, six hours, it takes a long time to recover that. You can't just have five hours sleep one night and then try and get 10 hours sleep the next. It doesn't work like that. And there's also negative effects to sleeping over nine hours as well. Um, just, just in terms of we don't actually need that much sleep. And there's a lot of things that go on neurologically, neurologically that obviously we don't want to be sleeping over that time. So making sure they're getting a consistent bedtime and wake time and being consistent with that eight hours of sleep is gonna be massively important. So what I say to a lot of my clients is, Monday to Friday, obviously you'll probably have your work schedule where you might be up at six in bed at 10 o'clock. So we're getting that, so we're getting that eight hours of sleep. However, on weekends, if maybe you feel like you need that extra hour or you enjoy that little bit of a lay-in, then maybe push that that wake time to an extra hour so seven o'clock rather than getting up at six that's absolutely fine or maybe you're someone who has to get up at five o'clock during the week obviously ideally get to bed at nine i know that's obviously not sometimes gonna happen but yeah on weekends i don't mind that extra hour it's when we go from maybe going out on a saturday night and we're getting getting in at three o'clock in the morning completely ruining our sleep cycle massively and then obviously the next day trying to catch up that's when our sleep cycle, our circadian rhythm our 24-hour body clock goes massively off so when I mentioned before about good quality sleep, there's a lot of things, there's 10 things I've got wrote down here that can help us get good quality sleep. First thing 
is going to be getting enough sunlight. Now, I'm going to touch on the benefits of sunlight later in this video, so you can skip to that part if you want to. But sunlight within the first hour of the day, making sure that we are starting that body clock. Again, like I said, I'll go into that in a little bit more detail later on. But if we can get out nice and early in the morning, get some sunlight on our skin. Yes, even if it's winter and it's a little bit darker outside, a little bit gloomy, you can still get some sun on your sunlight on your skin. You get more than you actually think. So that'll just trigger the release of certain hormones, which is going to make us a little bit more tired at night time than we normally would be to make sure we go to bed earlier than we would if we didn't do that. Next thing is limiting caffeine, making sure we try to keep our caffeine consumption as low as possible. Uh, obviously, the more caffeine you drink, that's going to still try and keep us awake. When we're trying to go to sleep, so I like to have a cutoff point about eight to nine hours before we go to bed, or just say like midday, 12 o'clock is a strict cutoff point, um, and try and maybe limit it to maximum just in terms of like what, what a cup of coffee would be. Try and limit to like two cups of coffee or maybe like one energy drink, so like a one monster sort of equivalent today. Um, and even cups of tea, little things like that. People don't realize having a cup of tea before bed is going to stop you from getting that deep REM sleep, that, that deep rapid eye movement sleep, which is going to be where most of the recovery and stuff happens. So making sure we're not having a cup of tea before bed, unfortunately. I know a lot of people still do that as a habit, but cut that caffeine off, all forms of caffeine, even Diet Coke, things like Mountain Dew, I think, have caffeine in as well. Cut that off midday if you can, just to make sure we're getting as much optimal sleep as possible. Exercise is going to be a big one. Obviously, it's going to tire us out. Um, it's also going to help process the adenosine in our system, which is which is something that's really high before we go when we go to sleep, and it kind of recuperates itself um, and then increases as we go through the day again. Last meal, two to three hours before we go to bed, so we don't want to be digesting food when we are sleeping. We want to make sure that all the food is relatively digested. Obviously, there might be some food that's still getting digested and processed, um, but we don't want to be having a meal an hour before we go to bed, half an hour before we go to bed, and still really processing it, and you'll feel quite full, and you'll probably not, you'll wake up in the morning feeling a little bit bloated, not, not in the best state, so making sure again, last meal, ideally two to three hours before we go to sleep. Make sure your room temperature is nice and cool as well. Make sure it's not super hot. Um, our body naturally cools itself down. Once it gets to about two, three o'clock in the afternoon, our body naturally starts cooling itself down. Once we get to nighttime, it's normally that's its cooler sort of temperature. Uh, and then that was, sets us up nicely to go to sleep. Some people like to have a hot shower and then go into a cold environment. That kind of switch from hot to cold helps us. Same with saunas. You can have a sauna at nighttime um, and then obviously maybe just maybe have a quick blast of a cold shower, go into a cool room, make sure your bed's nice and cool. Um, and I quite like having a cold bed as well, um, but we quite enjoy it in the winter. But that definitely helps. Uh, next one is blocking out blue light. So blue light is emitted from TVs, from mobiles, and from just general lights that you have in your house. Blue light is what is going to trigger us to stay awake. So our body might still think it's daytime, but it's actually not. It's nighttime. So once the sun sets, I normally try and recommend my clients um, to and I myself try and wear blue light blocking glasses just to cut out any blue light that's emitted. Because I know we obviously we like to watch TV. We might have a bit of work to do on our laptop, um, catch up with messages, anything like that. So I just make sure that I'm wearing blue light blocking glasses. You can set your iPhone um, and your laptop onto night mode. There's a few different things there. I think different softwares have it. Um, the wrong thing but yeah make sure you're on like a night shift so it emits a lot of orange light rather than blue light and um, which isn't going to stop you from sleeping as much next thing i mentioned briefly there was saunas that has been massively shown to increase um well improve sleep quality and also it makes you really tired if anybody's ever done a 20 or 30 minute sauna um, especially in the evening and then go home you're just absolutely wiped out um obviously i don't know too much of the ins and outs andrew Huberman's is probably the best guy or ronda patrick and um, to look into saunas but there's been a lot i, I know from my own personal experience having a sauna and then going home and getting ready to go to bed. 
wipes you out and you sleep really, really well. Um, next thing is no alcohol or any other substances. I think that's gonna be quite self-explanatory. So yeah, alcohol is obviously gonna stop us from sleeping. We're gonna to have to be firstly getting the alcohol out of our system so our body's gonna be processing it and trying to get rid of the alcohol. Uh, and it's just gonna stop us from getting that deep REM sleep, like I said before. And obviously other substances are not gonna help either at all, which I think is pretty self-explanatory. Uh, number nine that I've got rolling down here is constant a consistent bedtime and wake time. I mentioned before, if we can get into a consistent sleeping pattern, our body is gonna get into that um, consistent circadian rhythm. It's gonna be known, right, this is when I get tired and this is what time I need to start waking my body up. And um, we wake up by heating ourselves up. So our body, about two or three hours, I think it is before we get up, we're at our coolest temperature. Then two to three hours later, we start heating ourselves up, which is gonna wake us up naturally. And that's why sometimes you might find that you wake up just before your alarm, just your body naturally uh, waking up. If you have that consistent bedtime and wake time, it's gonna be a lot easier to, to keep that circadian rhythm going and your body's gonna get just get into a good cycle. Because like I said, we have a 24 hour body clock that we just naturally stick to in there. It makes it a lot easier, but yeah, that is everything sleep. If you haven't already, um, research or looked into Matthew Walker. He's someone who's, I think he's a specialist on sleep. I've read his book before. He's been on Joe Rogan before, but here's someone to follow if you wanna watch a few more videos on sleep. So on to the second one of the big three. It's gonna be get 20 minutes outside per day. Now people will probably underestimate this one massively, and especially in the winter months, we probably struggle to get that 20 minutes in, purely because one, people who work nine to fives, if they're working in offices or working in buildings all day, it's gonna be dark in the morning. Once you get to work, it's probably gonna be starting to get light as you pull into work. So you're not gonna be getting any sunlight. You're gonna be in a building all day and then by the time you finish at four, five, six o'clock, it's probably gonna be dark again. Um, especially if you're living in like a Scandinavian country, you're probably not gonna see any sunlight at all, um, which is quite tough. Um, but if you're living somewhere in a hot country, then you are very, very fortunate. But if you can, try and get at least 20 minutes, it's a minimum of 10, but I like to say 20 minutes just to make sure you're getting that optimal amount of sunlight. Reasons behind it is, like I said before, sleep's gonna be the main thing. Once we step outside and get that sunlight emitted onto our skin, it's gonna trigger the release of a lot of different chemicals and hormones within the body. So we have cortisol, the little re release of cortisol early in the morning is absolutely fine. Cortisol is obviously our stress hormone, but we want that initial boost of stress in the morning just to wake us up and get us going. And next thing is gonna be adenosine. So as we go through the day, adenosine starts to increase to make us tired. Once that gets triggered in the morning by sunlight, we obviously increases, increases, increases. Once we get to nighttime, we're absolutely shattered. We wanna to go to bed. And then our body, as we sleep, starts to drop that level back down. Next thing is gonna be dopamine. Again, in the morning, getting that dopamine hit, which is gonna be our kind of motivation, our grab and go sort of sort of hormone. Once we get that released, obviously we're gonna have a lot more energy in the morning. Um, if anybody has ever actually just been outside, that's why in the summer you have a natural boost of energy um, because of the sun gives you that dopamine hit. Uh, next thing is gonna be serotonin. So because of the dopamine hit, we get that release of serotonin as well, which is the precursor, which means it comes before melatonin. Now melatonin you might have heard of is like a supplement and um, that people sometimes take to, to help them fall asleep. And I've heard Dr. Andrew Huberman not recommend that at all because you want your body to naturally be producing melatonin anyway, but I'm getting off topic. But yeah, serotonin is the precursor to the melatonin. Melatonin makes us tired at nighttime. Once the sun goes down, it starts to get dark. That melatonin starts to release. Um, and obviously that's how we get a really good deep night sleep when we are absolutely shattered. So yes, uh, sunlight triggers the release of a lot of different hormones. So once that sunlight hits the eyes as well as the skin, because you've got to remember, the skin is actually an organ, not just a, a layer of, 
of skin. It is an organ, so it reacts to things like the sun. So try and, if you can, I know it's not ideal in the winter, but try and get as much as your skin exposed. Obviously, as long as you're getting your neck and your face and stuff exposed, that's fine. Obviously, in the summer, you can maybe walk around with like a vest on, some shorts and stuff, get your body exposed as much as you can. In the winter, it's a little bit more difficult, especially in England, it's not ideal. But try and get that sunlight on the skin. But once the sunlight hits the eyes, um, it signals, I've got my little notes down here. So if I end up butchering words, you understand why. It signals the hypothalamus um, to wake the body up, releases the hormones, for example, like I said, melatonin, and that triggers the 16 hour timer uh, for that. Sorry, it releases serotonin, which triggers a 16 hour timer to release melatonin later on at night and help us get a good night's sleep. Um, so that's a science I'm gonna get. That was a very big word that I just said there, so you should be impressed. Uh, but anyway, Second thing with getting sunlight, there's a massive link between getting sunlight and, well, not getting sunlight and depression and anxiety. So if we're not getting that release of the sun, sorry, that the exposure to the sun early in the morning, and we're getting it later in the day, there's a little bit of a, little bit of a link. So say, for example, you're laying in until 12, 1 o'clock, and then you go outside and you get some sunlight. There's a massive link because your circadian rhythm is off and you're getting that hit of sunlight later in the day that it's linked to depression and anxiety. Obviously, there's a massive issue at the minute with people being depressed, struggling with anxiety, struggling with mental health issues. And I think getting up early in the morning, getting as soon as that sun's up, I know in the winter it's a little bit later, so you can have a little bit more of a lay-in technically, getting a little bit of a bit of sunlight hit, go for a walk um, in the morning can be massively beneficial if you are struggling. And like I said, I'm not a mental health expert or anything, always seek a professional. This is just obviously from the podcast that I've listened to and my own experience as well. Um, but yeah, if, you, if there's one thing that you can do is get up, get some sunlight in. And like I said before, delayed sunlight will delay the cortisol release, which obviously gives you that boost of energy and you'll start um, that, that cortisol release later in the day and obviously it'll mean that you go to bed a little bit later. You'll probably, there's not much going on at nighttime as well, so the likelihood is if you're up later at nighttime, you're probably going to be on your phone, scrolling through social media, which is going to stop you from getting a deep sleep. You're going to probably con constantly compare yourself to other people because we know the negative effects of social media. Um, obviously, there is some benefits to it as well, but you'll probably be late um, up on your phone, scrolling through social media, watching TV, and your days won't be as productive. Majority of your day will be sat procrastinating, doing stuff because not much is going on at nighttime. Whereas if you get up early, you can obviously get a productive routine, get some sunlight in, maybe exercise, socialize with people. Um, and yeah, there's lots of benefits in terms of that. Another point as well about sun, it's actually been shown to increase um, the passion hormones, so like the sex hormones, testosterone, um, and all the other things like that. So if you're in a relationship that maybe you're struggling, that sort of side of things, or maybe you feel like you, you don't have that sort of passion towards towards people that you've lost it for a little bit. There's obviously benefits to getting outside and making sure that you're getting some sunlight on. So this is an additional one there. But I had this question the other day as well in my DMs to do with uh, what can I do if I'm a worker who is nine to five and I don't get a chance to go outside, my lunch breaks aren't long enough and it's too much of a hassle for me to get outside. Uh, what options do I have? So I put an Instagram post on talking about SAD lights, which stands for Seasonal Affective Disorder. Um, and the lamps, they're meant to apparently replicate what sunlight um, obviously does for you. I don't know too much about the ins and outs in it, um, but I know Andrew Huberman also recommended infrared lights, which are apparently just a, a very beneficial. Put them on, I don't know if it's how long you put them on for, I think it was 10, 15 minutes. Um, I'll tag Andrew's podcast and stuff down, uh, down below if you want to check them out. He knows a lot more stuff than I do. I just kind of reiterate a lot of the stuff that he says. Um, but yeah, there's a few things you can do. However, I think if you can get some sunlight in, it's probably the best thing you can possibly do, even if it's just 10 minutes. Um, maybe in your lunch break, quickly get your lunch down and go for a little 10 minute walk. There's benefits obviously in terms of 
getting the walk in itself in terms of it'll aid digestion if you just had a meal uh, and it'll also give you that little bit of a mental break and it might be a chance for you to listen to a podcast or something as well and just switch off from work for that split second um so yeah there's obviously a benefit to that um yeah so make sure you're getting your 20 minutes of sunlight hopefully that's covered that one so that's going to be number two of the big three and the final one of the big three, which I think most people may have guessed this one, is gonna be exercise, making sure that we are exercising pretty much on a daily basis, obviously depending on the intensity of your exercise. I would still class going for a long walk as exercise. You're still getting that heart rate elevated, you're still moving, even things like yoga, um, mobility work, that is still classed as exercise in terms of the way that I would want you to do it. Obviously, health benefits of exercise, again, we, we should all really know this by now. Um, cardiovascular benefits, reduced cortisol, stress levels, uh, reducing clinical depression. So if you've obviously been diagnosed with some sort of depression, there's massive benefits in terms of exercise. And there's also the mental health side of it, of giving you that endorphin release post-workout. It's a mental challenge. It gives you something to put your mind towards and focus on. If anybody's ever done like a tough um, 40, 45 minute, even like a 60 minute like run or a conditioning drill or some sort of EMOM if you know what they are. Um, you know the feeling after it because you've got that sem- sense of achievement that you've achieved something, it was a challenge. Uh, you can't have those feelings of satisfaction and kind of feeling like you've accomplished something without having some form of pain. So getting through exercise, there's obviously mental benefits of that. Uh, reduced risk of dementia, Alzheimer's, increased mobility. We know that obviously the older we get, the more chance of us losing muscle mass. Um, so things like resistance training are massively important the older we get. Same with mobility, we seize up uh, our connective tissue is obviously a little bit more prone to injuries. So again, massive benefits in terms of exercise. Um, sleep as well, like I said before, it's going to help with with making us more tired, making us want to go to sleep because we need to need to recover a little bit more. Obviously, I mentioned the, men- the mental benefits, and obviously, I made, I made a note at the end there about having a community and structure. Um, obviously, exercise if you're exercising in classes you're going to be meeting people, you're going to be exercising with people with a similar goal, you might make friends, so they've got that community aspect, which is so important as a human to have community. And without without that, that's when symptoms of depression and mental health issues may come about, so it's massively important. And also gives you structure to your day and it gives you a bit of discipline. If you can give yourself discipline to train every single day and get through a 30, 45 minute workout, which is tough, obviously it hurts to exercise, unfortunately exercise isn't necessarily easy. If you can do that on a daily daily basis, then you're building discipline, building structure, and I believe there's a massive carryover from being able to do that, and then you can carry over the kind of the positive effects of that into your work life, having structure and discipline with your work life, your family life, um, and all. Yeah, there's so many benefits to exercise. I can't go, can't go into it, and like, I can't talk about it enough. That's hence why I do the job that I do. But in terms of how much exercise, what types of exercise should I do? Obviously, you want a mixture of resistance training and cardiovascular work. So in terms of cardiovascular work, you want to aim for about 150 minutes of moderate, so like zone two, three cardio, if you know what the zone two, three um, means. It kind of, it's around 110 to 140 beats per minute in terms of your heart rate. Obviously, it's going to fluctuate from person to person, um, but it's kind of the point where you can feel that you need to breathe a little bit more. You can feel your heart beat a, li- a little bit more, but you can probably just about maintain a conversation with somebody if you really needed to. Um, so about 150 to 200 minutes per week of that. Um, obviously, it doesn't have to be done in one go. It can be split off. Um, or it can be done as a 75-minute intense, like super intense um, zone four or five. So when your heart rate's above 140, 150, touching into them higher thresholds of your heart rate. Um, so that can be done 75 minutes. So either 150 to 200 minutes of zone two, low intensity, long walks, gentle jogs, sort of cross-trainer, that sort of intensity. 
or 75 um, to probably 100 minutes of intense, maybe interval training, um, maybe playing a game of football, that sort of stuff. That's a little bit more intense. Then in terms of resistance training, the recommendations are twice per week. And the, rec the actual official recommendations are doing one on, in, in each individual session, doing one really all-out hard set um, of 12 to 15 reps per muscle group. So that would be, for example, for the for the quads, if you want to hit the quads, it would be a squatting movement. For the hamstrings, it would be some sort of Romanian deadlift, deadlift movement or some hamstring curl exercise. Obviously, calf raises for the calves. Um, upper body-wise, could be a chest press for your pecs, shoulder press for your shoulder, some sort of row or a pull-up for your back. Um, and, and again, your biceps and triceps are going to get hit in that. So just trying to make sure you're hitting all muscle groups. They recommend, obviously, one set of 12 to 15. I would probably maybe do um, maybe a little bit more of that if you have, obviously, the, the goal of aesthetic, uh, aesthetics, get my words out, aesthetic goal, building muscle, want to look a certain way. Um, but that's the standard. So twice a week, you could do a little full body workout, a couple more sets, and then one really hard set of 12 to 15 reps. Personally, for myself, I would like to do three um, resistance training exercises and then maybe three cardio uh, ones there uh, and I'll touch on about the program we do six workouts per week and one day is going to be a rest day but is when we integrate a sauna but again I'll touch on that later I'm getting sidetracked again uh, but just making sure as well in terms of workouts Andrew Huberman talks about this a lot is making sure your workouts don't last any longer than 75 minutes the reason is there is an increase in cortisol there's a massive um, negative effect in terms of our ability to recover from anything that's over 75 minutes. Yes, if you're someone who's training for a marathon or something that is over 75 minutes, it's going to take you longer than that and you're going to have to do it. Just be mindful of the recovery that you might need to take, um, nutrition, maybe a bit of extra sleep, saunas, ice baths, um, and maybe a little bit of extra rest before your next session. Um, obviously, just for the general, general person, I would say a good rule of thumb is about a 45 minute workout. That's all you really need to get the benefits of exercise. So that is the big three habits and routines that I think majority or everybody should be able to implement. You've got making sure you get eight hours of good quality sleep per night, getting 20 minutes of sunlight exposure, getting outside for 20 minutes per day and exercising on a daily basis. Probably you'd say at least five or six times per week. And um, again, it could just be a walk. It doesn't have to be a strict, tough and resistance training session going for a walk for 20 30 minutes it would class as that if you can do it on a daily basis i think that's the best thing. i think everybody should be able to go for a nice 20 to 30 minute walk and kind of integrate that 20 minute of outdoor sunlight within that as well so what we're going to do is going to put it into a routine now i've wrote down here how i would lay out the routine and then i'll go into detail afterwards of all the ins and outs of why i've added these certain things into my routine so Obviously, it starts off with making sure you get eight hours sleep. So make sure the night before, it always starts off the night before, that you're getting in bed eight hours before you need to get up the next day. And make sure again the night before you get your blood blockers on, all that, all that sort of stuff. Getting that eight hours sleep is massively important. Now, as soon as you wake up, first thing I hear is people snoozing their alarm. Hopefully that you get into a good you get into a good cycle that you don't need an alarm. But obviously I put one on anyway, just so I don't sleep in for my clients. But make sure you're up. Do not snooze that alarm. Get up out of bed. Make it almost a habit that you jump out of bed straight away. I was having a conversation with a lad today who I was training with. And we were both saying the same thing. We both get up early. We're both PTs. We're up at like five, half five every day. We both wake. We always wake up. I said to him, I still wake up every single day. And I had a client last night because the World Cup's on at the minute at the time recording this video. And I know last night there was an England match on. And I know my client who I had in this morning was going to watch the match. And I was thinking, as soon as I woke up this morning at half five, my alarm went off. My first initial thought was... I hope my client texts me saying he's hungover and wants to cancel my session. Now, that's not me actually thinking I want him to cancel the session. That's my body and my brain thinking, what are you doing getting up at this time? 
your body likes, your mind likes to throw curveballs and it tries to give you reasons to stay in your comfort zone and make you stay in bed. But as soon as I got up, I did my routine, which I'll obviously talk about in a second, and I had a really good session. I was really glad that I was up early. It's just that initial moment of getting up. Everybody, there isn't a person who doesn't want to snooze their alarm and, and lay in bed and it's nice and warm and cozy and get an extra hour of sleep. Everybody wants to do it. We all got them little voices in our head. But if you can flip the switch, make a trigger that gets you out of bed and gets you going in the morning, that's when obviously them good habits instill. And the longer that you do this, the more consistent you are with getting up out of bed, not even thinking about it the longer that habit is gonna stick and the easier it becomes. It's never gonna be easy, but it becomes easier. So yeah, first thing, do not snooze your alarm. Second thing is hydrate. I always have a little swig of water. Um, I've got a, like a bottle bottle of water like I've got here or like a glass of water next to my bed. Um, apologies for anybody, my clients tell me off all the time for using too many glass, um, so too many plastic bottles of water. I know I need to get a water filter and use glass bottles. But anyway, off, off topic. Always get some water in me. Obviously you've been eight, nine hours since I've last had a drink. Um, so making sure that I get some water in. That was another thing as well with, with sleep. Make sure you don't drink too much water before you go to bed because you're probably going to wake up in the middle of the night and need a wee. So I try and cut my water off at least half an hour before I go to bed. Um, yeah, just to make sure I don't need the toilet during the night. Uh, and also you can put some electrolytes in um, if you wanted to. However, just standard water should be fine. Um, try and aim as well on a daily basis to try and get two to three litres of water, especially if you are exercising. Push more to more that three mark as well. It'll depend on your body type, body weight, and all that sort of stuff as well. But next thing, next routine is gonna be cold shower. Now this has been something that has been absolutely non-negotiable for me for the last two and a half years. I realized I said I was gonna run through the routine first, then talk about it, but I'm, I'm talking about it now. But cold shower, so important. This is, this is what flips the switch and changes it from right I'm tired to right I am up, like I'm ready to attack the day. Now, first thing is cold shower, it's a mental challenge. I love giving myself little mental challenges across the day because the more that I can complete earlier in the day, the easier the next challenge is going to be. So if I'm getting up at 5.30 and not to lose my alarm, that's one win. That's one challenge I've won. Next one, obviously water's not really, hydrating's not really a challenge, but next one's going to be my cold shower. If I can overcome that challenge, which obviously cold showers aren't great, they, they hurt a little bit. If I can overcome that, then the next challenge that I'm going to do is going to be a little bit easier. So me standing underneath that shower head, looking at it, thinking, God, this is going to hurt turning the shower head on freezing cold, letting that water blast on me. Once the water's on, there's no getting out of the shower. No, I can't really jump out once I'm sort of wet, I'm cold, so I might as well deal with it. But yeah, it's a mental challenge, and there's loads of benefits as well, like physiologically, which Andrew Huberman talks about again. Um, I hope, Andrew Huberman should give me a sponsorship for the most, most times I mention his name, but he's very, very good. Um, first thing is gonna increase your adrenaline. First thing in the morning, wakes us up, you want that adrenaline release. Um, it's also going to be something that gives you a bit of an endorphin release after you do it because it's a mental challenge, because it's tough, because it's increasing your adrenaline, you're going to feel great after it. Second thing is increases our core body temperature. Now you probably might think, actually, how does a cold shower increase our core body temperature? Well, when your body gets cold, when you go for a seed it, when you have a cold shower, your internal organs, all the blood sort of goes through internal organs, your core body temperature increases, your body's trying to warm you up. Um, and obviously there's apparently there's benefits in terms of the metabolism, but they're, they're not actually massive um, because your body's using more energy to try and heat yourself up. There is a slight increase in metabolism, but it's not massive. It's, I think it's something to do, I think it's about the same as 
Um, same amount of calories you would burn as eating a cracker. So like make 20 calories or something like that extra. But yes, your body has to use energy to heat it up. So you do heat yourself up. And we know that early in the morning, our core body temperature rises anyway. And as we go throughout the day, our core body temperature starts to drop. So if we can increase that core temperature straight away, it's going to get us up. It's going to make us more alert. Um, and then obviously as the day goes on, we're going to get more tired. That core body temperature is going to cool down and we will get a better sleep. Um, next thing is very interesting actually so there was a somebody I think it was a professor who was addicted to cocaine he used this cold showers alcohol ice baths I think he used as a method to step away from cocaine and kind of not cure his addiction but try and come, come off it completely the reason is is because it increases your dopamine that feel good that motivation um, hormone or uh, chemical in your body increases it by two to three and I, I think it actually increases it by double what cocaine actually does so if you're so I'm not gonna say if you're a cocaine addict but it gives you that endorphin release that cocaine obviously does or them drugs any sort of drugs that give you that dopamine hit this could be a method that you put in again I'm not professional at all I probably shouldn't be saying this but yeah it's a method to increase that dopamine give you that bit of a, a rush in the morning give you that energy levels that motivation to go and attack the day ahead so yeah it was interesting that one but so many benefits in terms of how cold you need to have it really as cold as you can deal with on average um, they talk about trying to have at least 11 minutes of cold exposure per week so that can obviously be done through cold bath ice bath sea dips, cold showers, trying to obviously make sure we get in 11 minutes. What I normally do, I normally try and stay in for about a minute in the morning. Um, and then anytime I do a sauna, I always have do cold showers as well. So I'm probably just about getting my 11 minutes in. But in the morning, as long as you're almost, you're into the point where you want to get out, but you, you obviously you're not in staying in long enough that you start shivering and feel horrendous. Just stay in for maybe a minute. Make sure that obviously it's as cold as your shower can actually go. And um, if you do have a cold plunge pool, they're obviously brilliant. Stay in there for like five minutes. That'll do. And then jump out and crack on your day and you'll feel so much, so much better for it. Um, but cold showers just simple and easy and anybody can really use it. But yeah, cold showers, very, very important. They're non-negotiable for me now. So next thing is going to be something that I've done personally for about three years now. Um, it's going to be gratitude journaling and also like a little bit of planning. So I started off with the six minute diary. Uh, shout out to Chris Will uh, Williamson for this one, the uh, the owner of Modern Wisdom Podcast, a fellow Geordie as well. Um, he was what when I followed his podcast a few years ago. He was the first one who kind of introduced me to it. Six minute diary. All the diary is is three minutes in the morning. Three things you're grateful for. A little positive affirmation and also like something to achieve for the day. Now I've kept that in. I've just got a little black book off Amazon. I write in every morning. Uh, uh, date. Today I'm grateful for three things. Could be anything. It could be um, being able to spend time with the dog last night or spend time with the missus the night before. Uh, could be grateful I've got a busy day ahead. And it could be um, that I've got leg day doms. So I always write that in quite a bit. I've got like leg day doms and it means I've had, I've had a good session the day before. Could be anything. There's been loads of research shown that it just improves overall happiness and satisfaction with life. Sounds a little bit hippie and a little bit out there, a little bit like woohoo, what, what am I doing sort of thing. Um, but try it. If you're someone who maybe struggles with that initial motivation in the morning that momentum in the morning have a try of it just write three things you're grateful for uh, and then in the six minute diary there's also an even routine bit which i kind of don't do um but some people have found it beneficial but the morning three things you're grateful for and then sometimes if there's something i need to get done for the day and um, i'll just write make sure you get this done just so i've got it wrote on a piece of paper it'll remind me to do it and it also means that i'm keeping myself accountable um, for it as well so you could maybe list a few things if you wanted to i know a few people who are big on that as well 
Then we move on to mobility, movement, and self-development. So I've put this all in one. So you have a few options. What I do personally, I do my morning mobility. I stick my headphones in and I listen to a podcast for 20, 30 minutes. Uh, my mobility routine is also on YouTube as well, which I'll tag up here somewhere if you want to follow along and, and have a look at it. Um, but this is a bit of a time for yourself. This could be whatever you want to do. So you, options you could, could be go out for a walk if it's sunlight outside, go and get that walk in, listen to a podcast, 20, 30 minutes. You've ticked off your sunlight, you've ticked off your 30 minutes self-development and a little bit of exercise. Could be you go in the gym, could be you train. Some people like to train in the morning. Um, make sure you're doing that. Make, it could be even just doing some cardio, some light 20, 30, 45 minute cardio. Um, but like I said, for me, it is mobility. So we're just taking off a few things there. Obviously the mobility, like I mentioned for myself, I've had a lot of injuries. I come from a sporting background. I've had knee surgeries, ankle surgeries, hip surgeries. Um, so this is my time for obviously working on that. Um, in terms of how much mobility per week you want to hit, ideally at least three times per week, holding each stretch for three sets of 30 seconds. That's what the research is shown to be as, much, as beneficial as it needs to be. So I just do a little routine, hold each stretch for 30 seconds, probably takes me about 20, 30 minutes and I get through that. In terms of movement, uh, I like to tell people to aim on a weekly basis for about 70,000 steps. There's a massive research in terms of hitting that 10,000 steps threshold per day. Obviously, I just stretch it across the week because I know some days you might be super busy, you might only get 5,000 steps in. And then some days at the weekend, you might be able to go for a hike and get 20 or 30,000 steps in. But let's, let's aim for that 70,000 across the week as a good little goal. Um, obviously, increasing the expenditure is going to help increase, um, obviously, the amount of calories that we burn, which is going to help with... If you have that goal of weight loss, put you in a calorie deficit. But again, you're just getting that little bit of exercise in the morning. And self-development, I think, is massively important, especially when we're so busy these days uh, with the, the kind of hustle and grind, Gary Vee sort of culture. Having a little bit of time to work on yourself, listen to something that you enjoy too. It doesn't have to be a podcast. It could even be music if you really love music. And that kind of makes you switch off and makes you think and get, get to a good headspace for the day. Go and do that. But I like to listen to a podcast. Um, it gives me kind of ideas for this sort of podcast that I do myself. Um, yeah, it's just a good time to educate myself on fitness, on health, longevity, on nutrition, everything. So that's my 30 minutes of, of self-development each day, which I try and push with all my clients. Have 30 minutes, could be later on the day you read a book or something like that, but 30 minutes per day. Um, next one that we're going to move on is going to be sunlight. Obviously, I've just talked about that there. If you kind of mix your sunlight in with your movement, uh, mobility and self-development, then that's absolutely fine. But make sure you're getting that sunlight in, ideally before 12 o'clock, if you, if you can, ideally even earlier than that as soon as the sun's up, just to, again, trigger all them hormones and help us get a good night's sleep. Then we move on to caffeine. Now, I am a fan of caffeine. I do love coffee. I've got an espresso machine myself. Um, but I know what people are like. As soon as they get up, they want the coffee straight away, especially if you have had it. For, you do have it on a daily basis. You start craving it a bit because um, it is a little bit of addictive. It is a drug at the end of the day. So if you are a coffee drinker or a tea drinker, I would like you to wait two hours Ideally, at least two hours, 90 minutes is okay, but two hours for, for your, before you have your first coffee. Now, there's a few reasons behind it. Caffeine is how it works. It doesn't give you energy. It blocks something that makes you tired. So adenosine, like I mentioned before, is something that gets released throughout the day, increases, makes you more and more tired. And then obviously, once we sleep, we're, obviously, we're knackered, so we go to sleep. And then it kind of refreshes itself as we sleep. Um, but even in the first few hours of the day, those levels that are resetting in, in adenosine for the first few hours are still recovering. They're still not down to that base, like that baseline drop num and bottom number, sorry. And then they would obviously start rising. If we have caffeine too soon, adenosine isn't completely flushed out our system. So coffee 
it's not as beneficial as it could be. And also you'll probably find that when it gets to one, two, three o'clock, you'll have a bit of a crash because when that caffeine starts to come out your system, your adenosine levels are super, super high. Now, if you wait two or three hours before you have your first coffee, one, that coffee is gonna, or that, that tea or that energy drink, whatever you have, your source of caffeine, is gonna hit you a little bit more and also you're not gonna have as much of a crash. So a little bit, a little bit of a tip for you, if you are a coffee drinker, try and get through it the first two hours of the day. I know it's tough, you do get used to it, I promise. Um, but yeah, try not to go straight for it. Uh, and again, it's another little mental, mental challenges. I like giving you little mental challenges throughout the day. But yeah, that is gonna be another point that I would like people to work on. Now we move on to a one which some people might not agree with me, but I think fasting is gonna be massively beneficial for majority of people. Why do I think so? I think breakfast, I think people have breakfast just out of the sake of routine and just because they think breakfast is the most important meal of the day, which it isn't. Some people just get up straight away, have a coffee and have breakfast. I think they're bad habits that people can cut out, especially if you have the goal of losing weight. Now, fasting doesn't really have too many magical benefits. Yes, um, there's been the likes of Rich Froning and Josh Bridges, which have talked about it, increasing their testosterone, increasing their growth hormone levels, and they feel amazing for it. And I, personally, I feel amazing for it as well. But there isn't actually any any suggested reason that it's going to help you burn fat more help with you losing weight more it's the calorie deficit which is going to be that which is going to cause that sorry apologies my camera cut off there but yeah rather than you eating in a typical kind of eating at seven o'clock in the morning and then having your last meal at say eight o'clock at night eating like a 13 12 13 hour window cutting that window down to say an eight to ten hour window it's gonna probably increase the chances of you not having as many calories. Now, it depends on person to person. I know some people might end up fasting and hammer loads of food and actually end up overeating within that, that period. However, I think for most people, they would benefit from getting through the first few hours a day without eating. It's almost like, I think Andrew Huberman talks about, um, he would rather um, not eat that croissant for breakfast rather than trying to have a bite of the croissant or half a croissant. If you, can, if you know you've got that, that croissant or pastry or whatever it is that you enjoy eating, and you know it's gonna be there at the end of the day and you can have it all at once because you've got the calories um, to, to be able to do that because you've almost missed a meal in the morning, that works better than saying, right, for breakfast, we're gonna have this and then your breakfast is 400 calories and then a croissant, only half a croissant, and you've gotta save that rest of the croissant for later in the day. Most people just can't mentally deal with that. So it's just cutting out a breakfast uh, is gonna save you a few calories which you can then eat later in the day. And I always find that I'm not really hungry massively in the morning, especially if I'm having that black coffee, which kind of curves my craving a little bit um, and sorts me out. There's a few benefits in terms of it reducing cortisol levels as well. Again, that's stress hormone. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a few benefits of fasting, but I think the main thing is just stopping that habit of people having a big breakfast, wasting calories because a few hours later, they're probably hungry again. Most people can probably do without the first few hours of the day without food, as long as you're drinking plenty of water, maybe having a black coffee just to give you, stop the cravings. Um, and as long as you're eating the right amount of calories that you need within that eight, eight hour food, eight, eight to 10 hour feeding window, then you'll be absolutely fine, especially if you're someone who exercises. Um, if you obviously have the goal of being a professional bodybuilder or whatever it is, then maybe look into having a protein shake or something in that within that first few hours of the day, just so you stimulate protein synthesis. However, if you're just a general person, I do it myself, you can still build muscles, look fit and healthy. There's a lot of people that I follow who only live off two meals a day. They do a lot of fasting. They fast for 24 hours. And I've seen like David Lane and stuff do 48 hour fast before. You will not get skinny and lose loads of all your muscle tissue if you fast as long as you're hitting your protein, your calorie goals within that window. So yeah, fasting. Just again, another little bit of a mental challenge. And also it's gonna reduce that calorie 
um, feeding window and hopefully reduce your calories again if you have that goal of losing weight. Anyway, next thing, uh, it's going to be exercising at some point. Obviously, like I said, it could be in the morning, could be at any point during the day, whichever works best with your schedule. Um, just again, make sure if you are having some form of caffeine, that it is before that 12 o'clock to 2 o'clock window. I know some people train at night time, they like to enjoy a pre-workout, they enjoy a coffee before training. I would try and opt for like a non-stimulant-based product. Um, I've had Nova Pump before by Nova Farm. That's very good, no caffeine in it at all. Uh, you don't get that crash as well and it'll stop you, it won't stop you um, from sleeping as well. So if you do train later in the day and you want some sort of pre-workout, stay away from caffeine if you can. And then the next thing I mentioned briefly before was saunas. Now there's a lot of benefits, uh, a lot of benefits of saunas, which I have on my laptop here because I've done so many posts about it. Um, it's something that I've recently really started trying to integrate a couple of times a week. There's a sauna just around the corner, so I'm very, I'm very lucky that there's one nearby. Um, yes, I know there is a cost to sign up to a gym that has a sauna. Um, if for example, the one that, I'm, that I go to is £33 um, per month, so British pounds, if you've listened anywhere else. Um, I know it can be a little bit of an additional cost. However, the health benefits are crazy just for something that you can go and sit in. Literally just go and sit in a, in a room. I know it's hot. Um, but you don't actually have to physically move, you just gotta be able to put up with the heat and obviously the, the kind of irritability that comes because of a sauna. Um, so why should you sauna? Improve cardiovascular health. It actually reduces the risk of cardiovascular, cardiovascular disease by up to 50%. That's just, again, if you go into the sauna between four and seven times per week for 20 minutes, if you can, that is gonna reduce your likelihood of cardiovascular disease by 50%. This is what the research says. To the next thing, uh, reduced all-cause mortality. So again, death by anything, uh, massive increase, um, decrease in that. Improve recovery from training. Obviously, that additional blood flow is going to help the muscles recover a little bit. Um, you can even do it post-workout. You can go to the gym, then do 10, 20, um, 30 minutes, so on, whatever you can really do. And there is a protocol as well. I've done it in a previous video when I did Andrew Huberman's Ultimate Fitness Protocol that can increase your growth hormone level by up to 16-fold. Obviously, growth hormone helps in terms of uh, muscle growth, recovery, improving your sleep and overall en energy levels. And the older you get, your growth hormone levels naturally decrease. So if you're someone who is a little bit older, an older guy, I'd recommend trying to make the most of the sauna as much as you possibly can. And there's that endorphin release after it as well because it obviously is a, a challenge and because it elevates your heart rate, it's almost as if you're exercising. So once you get out of it, and there's that sense of endorphin release and that's a feeling of accomplishment once you've done it. And also reducing cortisol stress levels again, this day and age, people are super stressed, they work long hours, they probably don't sleep that well. Um, so this is something that can help and obviously has a knock-on effect in terms of um, improving improving your sleep. Uh, and also personally, for myself, I've helped, it, it, I've found it helps me um, if I've got like, a little bit of a cold or a little bit of a flu or something, nothing too crazy, I help that I find that I recover uh, a lot better from it. In terms of how to sauna, general health, if you want, um, if you do have access to a sauna, you want to be looking to see if it is between 80 and 100 degrees Celsius. Again, I don't convert it to Fahrenheit because uh, I'm British and this is the way that I, the way that we convert it. So between 80 and 100 degrees Celsius, ideally between 10 and 20 minutes. If you can only do five minutes to start with, do five minutes, cold shower, rest for five minutes and then come back in. Try and get 10 to 15 minutes and aim for at least 60 minutes per week to get the best health benefits. I think it was 57 minutes to be exact. Um, but 60 minutes per total, uh, in total, sorry. And then like I said, that growth hormone 16-fold increase, the protocol is three to five rounds of 20 to 30 minutes with five-minute intervals uh, of a cold shower or a cold plunge in between. 
um, and ideally done twice a day. So you've got to do three rounds of thirty minutes, uh, three rounds of twenty minutes or thirty minutes twice a day. Again, the benefits of it are pretty high. So if you have the time to do it, it would be very beneficial to do it. Um, but yeah, that's the benefits of the sauna. So I can't push saunas enough. It's just a form of exercise without actually exercising as well. Uh, it's so easy to do, but I know there is a cost to obviously sign up. But look at the health benefits. Look at how maybe it's going to increase uh, how long you live, your overall quality of life um, and mood as well. So maybe just look into it if you can. So after saunas, we move in a little bit into the evening now. Um, so a few things you can do in the evening. I mentioned before about blue light and making sure that you, when we wear some blue light blockers and try and avoid any blue light from your TV screens, from your phone, from general lights. Um, as soon as the sun goes down, try and obviously stick blue light blockers on to block that out. Uh, in terms of your last meal, ideally between, well, ideally at least two or three hours before you go to bed. I mentioned it before in terms of improving sleep quality. Um, I mentioned as well before about the gratitude journaling. This could be something you do in the evening. Within the six minute diary, there's a little section at the end of the day, which takes three minutes. And I think it was three good things that happened to you today. Um, so maybe something to improve on. And then I think it was two or three things to complete tomorrow. So you can do a little something like that, or maybe just, just maybe be something like, write something that you were grateful for for that day, something good might happen that day, write that down again. Benefits of that have, have obviously been been shown. And the last thing, uh, before make sure that you are in bed before 12 o'clock. Now there's a lot of research to say if you're going to bed after midnight, that it completely messes your body clock up. I would say once the sun's down, probably three, four hours after the sun's down, you want to be getting to bed, especially in the winter, it's getting dark at what, four or five o'clock. Naturally, our body wants to rest a little bit more in the winter because of the circadian rhythm. Um, so make sure you get to bed in a reasonable time. I would say a standard kind of really good rule of thumb would be go to bed at 10 o'clock, wake up at 6 o'clock. That'll probably work all year round. Obviously in the summer it's a little bit lighter in the morning. You might find you have a natural energy boost um, and might wake up a little bit earlier and might want to stay up later because obviously it's a little bit lighter at, at night time in the summer. But simple rule of thumb, I would say 6 o'clock wake up, 10 o'clock bedtime is like a standard um, practice that I would say. But again, it's going to be dependent on your job. I know some people work night shifts. Um, obviously, there's, there's a lot of negative health benefit, um, negative health effects of working night shifts, but I know a lot of people need to do it, so I can't really say too much about it. And we need people who actually do work, are willing to work night shift uh, for the work to function the way it does. But yeah, try and get that consistent bedtime, wake time, uh, and make sure you're getting that eight hours sleep. But that is the routine. I have some additional points on here. So just to quickly recap, run through it very, very quickly in terms of the routine to ideally set you up for the most optimal physical and mental health. Uh, make sure again, first of all, eight hours sleep, then we hydrate once we get up. Don't no snoozing that alarm, firstly. No snoozing that alarm, hydrate, cold shower, gratitude journal slash plan your day. Bit of movement in the moment, could be exercise, could be mobility, and maybe adding some self-development. Make sure we're getting that self-development in. It could be in the morning or it could be in the evening as part of your evening routine, read a book, a podcast watch some informative content, whatever it is. Make sure across the week we're trying to get 70,000 steps per day. This could be part of your movement as well, going for a walk, getting that sunlight on your skin, trying to get 20 minutes of sunlight on your skin and your eyes per day if we can as well. Make sure we're not having caffeine for the first two hours of the day uh, and then trying to fast 14 to 16 hours in terms of health benefits of that one. I forgot to mention as well, there was benefits in terms of increase, increasing the life expectancy on that one as well, which was a very, very important one. I don't know how I managed to miss that one, uh, but there's been research to su suggest that 16 hour fasts um, on that intimate fasting 
increases longevity, increases a life expectancy as well. Funny story about the eight hour, the, this, the 16 to eight intermittent fasting. Apparently the guy who invented it, the reason it's 16 to eight, 16 eight was because the guy who kind of came up with the idea, his missus was very strict on him getting home at a certain time from work. Didn't want him being in the lab and working certain hours. So he was only allowed to be in the lab and do the research for eight hours. So that's hence why it's eight hours. So it could be that six hours is a bit more optimal but he's, he's done eight hours anyway. So 16 hour fasting, eight hour uh, feeding window um, is what ended up being the, being the thing. But anyway, off topic. Next thing, exercise. Make sure you're exercising on a daily basis. At least two resistance training sessions per week and then a couple of cardio, at least 150 minutes of uh, zone two to zone three cardio per week. Uh, saunas, make sure we're trying to get them in as, as as often as we can, ideally 60 minutes per week. Uh, with the cold showers, it was 11 minutes per week as well, I forgot to mention. And then last meal, make sure it's at least two hours before we go to bed. When it starts to get dark, blue light blockers go on, cutting out that blue light. Make sure your room temperature sets for a nice cool room so we're getting a good um, night's sleep and try to get to bed at the same time each night so you're waking up at the same time and get that eight hours sleep. But that is the routine. Final few points. Uh, one big thing, which I've obviously touched on, um, I did a podcast with Alex Kitchen, who was someone who suffered with drugs and alcohol addiction. He just came on the, at the other side of it. He's a fellow PT, uh, really good guy. We did a podcast a couple of weeks ago uh, talking about the issue of alcohol and drugs in this day and age because it is a societal norm, which I don't think is the best way to look at it. It's people feel pressure that they have to drink on so in social occasions um, and they also use alcohol as a way to escape. So I think trying to cut alcohol out as much as you can, if not completely, there's so many benefits to it. Obviously, alcohol can be great. It can make good times even better. Obviously, I've had some great times on nights out, on holidays when I have had alcohol involved in it. However, for 99% of your life, I think alcohol can have a detrimental effect, especially if you're doing it on a weekly basis and you're reliant on it and you're looking forward to it on weekends. So trying to cut out alcohol as much as you can, there's obviously negative effects in terms of having even one or two drinks on a weekly basis, in terms of cortisol levels, your, your baseline cortisol, your stress levels are gonna be increased if you have an alcohol on a weekly basis. Mental side, like I said, I mentioned in the podcast, um, I think people are using it as a crutch and something to get them through the week um, rather than having something else which is gonna be positive on my life to focus on. Uh, and I've noticed since being sober for the last four or five months now and um, that my productivity is through the roof. I almost feel like I haven't got any potholes in my journey. Um, like my potholes would be going on a night out, not getting a good night's sleep, feeling hungover and wasted my Sunday or my, or my Saturday, depending on when I went out. I'd almost lose a day completely by drinking. Um, and I'm also not waking up rough. I can get up, I can do the things that make me happy in life, which is like walking my dog, um, spending time with the missus, doing things like this. I'm a lot more productive and my vision's a lot more clear now. I do feel miles better from not drinking alcohol. So yeah, one final thing to wrap up the podcast because my voice is starting to go now. I've been talking for a long time. Um, is habits, how to make habits stick. Now, James Clear, if you haven't heard of him, um, he's got the book Atomic Habits. He talks about how long it takes for habits to become automatic and to make them stick. Um, now, the program that I've created, uh, which is going to be available from January 2nd, it's going to be in, in almost like an online coaching. So you have me there account to keep you accountable on a weekly basis. It's going to involve training. It's going to involve um, structure. It's going to be structure in terms of your day with the habits that I've obviously in integrated. Accountability in terms of you're going to have to tick off um, a checklist to make sure that you're ticking all the boxes with the habits and routine that I've just talked about. Nutrition as well will help you out with that. Obviously, haven't dived into that too much about the 
the best way to, to go in terms of nutrition apart from the fasting and cutting out caffeine and stuff like that so I will give you advice on that um, obviously you're going to have me there to kind of speak to you the whole time but again I'm getting off track here but that's going to be the program coming January the 2nd but in terms of habits James Clear says it takes 66 days uh, to make a habit or a behavior automatic so without you almost thinking about it now I think 28 days is a good starting point and then once you get to that 28 days you can look at the routines and stuff that you've got in your life and see which ones are actually the ones really benefiting you. Obviously people have these super crazy long morning routines and sometimes it's just for sure. I think some people add them in and I was one, especially during lockdown, that was just adding things into my morning routine just to try it out and just to kind of say that I'm being busy and I'm doing stuff where I think there's ones that are going to have more of an impact on your life. Like for me, the cold shower, like I said, massively helped me, saunas. My little mobility, because I've had so many injuries, stretching every single day massively helps me. I could probably cut it down to four or five days per week, but it's just a nice little routine. It gives me time to listen to a podcast uh, in the morning. So little things like that. Um, so maybe do the 28 days, see what routines and habits work best for you, uh, and then try and carry them on for at least that 66 days. I'll keep you accountable up to that 60 day, uh, 66 day point. And then from there, hopefully it's an automatic behavior and you've set yourself up long-term for, for success and as a byproduct of your routine, your habits being solid, your physical and mental health will obviously come alongside it. You'll be exercising on a, on a daily basis pretty much, which means your body composition, the way you look is gonna be a lot better. Hopefully your nutrition will be obviously to, there to match that as well. And hopefully mentally up here, you'll feel a lot better and you'll be able to push yourself more and more within training as well and get results that way. But yeah, 20, 28 days, um, 28 day routine reset will be out very soon and 66 days is what it takes to make the behavior automatic but that is the little bit of an outro i have finished all of my notes off uh, and you're going to get my blue light blockers on because it's dark outside but i hope you enjoyed this podcast sorry if i rambled a lot there's a lot of information i want to try and get out but i think like i said at the start of the podcast there is a big issue with people these days being super stressed um having issues with the health which can be controlled uh, i think a lot of people do make excuses like time uh, for certain things like time to exercise, time for for certain habits, which I've talked about. But these are the big three ones, the 20 minutes of sunlight, the eight hours sleep and the daily exercise are non-negotiables, which you, you have to do, um, which will obviously help your physical and mental health. Um, but yeah, I just want to try and help people and put them in the best physical and mental state possible. Um, and I think if you fix up there and get your habits right, then the rest of the body, the physique um, and also the productivity in terms of work comes alongside it. But yeah. That's it for me. It's been an hour. Our apologies that you've had to, if you've listened to me for the full time, comment down below saying, I have listened to you ramble for an hour. I'll be very grateful. All the links to stuff that I've mentioned in here will be down below in the show notes or the description if you're watching on YouTube. Um, and yeah, sign up to the 20 day routine reset down below and we'll organize a little Zoom call consultation and you'll get to know me and I will hopefully try and help you out the best you can. But yes, hope everyone has a good Christmas. Right, see you later. Thank you very much for watching. This has been Process.